0: On this episode of Comedy Rewind, is Anchor Man the legend of Ron Burgundy the most quotable comedy of all time? Is there a lack of diversity in this movie or is it just a movie about a lack of diversity? Did anyone remember that Seth Rogan was in this film? All of this and more on Comedy Rewind.
1: Rewind. Rewind! Push Rewind.
0: I thought this was a comedy show. What's going on guys? Welcome back to Comedy Rewind. We are powered by Audio Technica and Manscaped. As we rewatch the great comedies of the 1990s and 2000s, I'm your host John Peck and joining me, a man who's kind of a big deal, Brendan White, and his co-anchor on the Hungry Gamers podcast. She's recording live on the scene at San Diego. It's Miss Ali Hart. How are you guys doing? <laughs> doing I was well. so That's
2: disappointed a... that I wasn't called Tits McGee. I thought about it. <laughs>
0: I thought about it, and then I decided quickly that I wasn't going to say Back that. Back away. <laughs> He's far too wholesome. He's
1: not gonna be calling us dirty pirate
0: whores or anything like yeah. that. That's for I sure. Like I, I went through the quotes for Veronica and I was like, I can't say any of these about Ali. It's mean. I mean you
2: can. <laughs> you just got yeah, it I'll on leave, record. I'll, I'll leave that
0: to I'll leave that to Brendan on Hungry Gamers. That's kinda of his, <laughs> his his stick. deal. Introducing you in those fun ways. But how are you guys doing?
1: Doing well. Doing well. Uh yeah, twenty twenty one is upon us. The first mm. podcast of the new year. Uh, i not gonna say new year new me it's just new new year, year, old slightly year. older and more saw me <laughs> but uh yeah doing well doing well uh, on holidays at the moment so doing a whole lot of not much most of the time it's been uh, phenomenal. Are you phenomenal
2: holiday time it's cleaning time it's you know throwing out the old getting in the new a lot of cooking i was gifted with like an instant pot and air fryer so it's just cooking nice. cooking cooking cooking
1: what is an instant pot
2: Oh, uh, it's a pot. So it's like a pressure cooker. It's like... Oh, it, yeah. okay. Yeah, it's like... Nice. It's a magical thing. I encourage everyone to get one.
1: Yeah, I've, I've got a pressure cooker. So if it's the same thing, then uh, yeah, I'm all about it. Nice. I'm hungry and it's... it's well, it'll be lunchtime by the time we finish this. So it'll nicely line itself up with my, <laughs> with my needs.
0: Yeah, I had the kid's birthday party yesterday. So the spring rolls and party pies and sausage rolls got a good workout in the air fryer. I do miss party <sighs> pies. Always. Always good. Yum. Party but, uh, pies
1: are one of the best things in the world. One of the yeah.
0: Especially. Pies are great,
1: but little fun-size pies even better.
0: Yeah, you can put that whole pie in your mouth in one bite if it's not too hot mm mm-hmm. Mhm. That's great. Pies to go. for lunch. Decided. <laughs> well, it is the new year and speaking of, we are moving into the 2000s as I mentioned in the intro and you know, part of this is because with the, the 90s well is getting a bit tapped, you know. We've done 38 90s movies. There's still some gems out there, don't get me wrong. I'd like to get back to a few of them eventually. But I thought New Year's a good time to jump into the, the new century of the, the 21st century and hopefully appeal to a, a few more of our younger listeners, uh, get a few more guest hosts in here who aren't as familiar with the 90s catalogue. But I kind of you know, struggled to come up with the perfect 2000s movie to start with. When we did episode one, it was Happy Gilmore. And I just thought it has to be Anchorman, really. I I just feel like it's a movie that kind of... To to me, it's what I think of with the 2000s because it's super quotable, probably more than like any other comedy ever, just about. (laughs) Um, And it stars like a bunch of guys that were huge in this decade. And I feel like it's a big reason that they're so... uh, attached to comedy of that era in will ferrell uh steve carell especially with uh paul rudd becoming more of a comedic name i guess yeah. with with you know he, he dabbled in some drama and stuff around that time too but yeah getting that that kind of crew going for for a couple of movies in that decade kind of you know especially with the big scene where everyone comes together in the the anchorman news fight like that's kind of the who's who of comedy in the 2000s so mm. anchorman what are your personal memories and experiences with this movie back in 2004
1: well uh yeah i was i was um when this movie came out i was turning 18 like two weeks after this movie came out so uh i was in high school i was mm. in year 12 about to sit the hsc and i remember me and like all the lads went to the movies at the uh the fabled kuma twin cinemas i think there would have been about a dozen of us i wow. uh, went and watched this when it when it came out in, in kuma laughing our asses off in these wooden creaky ass seats eating stale popcorn and flat coke like it was uh it was a hell of a time <laughs> and then a couple of days after we watched this it was my 18th birthday and uh we we actually had my birthday at like this old farmhouse a bit out of town and because it's the middle of winter, it actually snowed out there. So had my 18th birthday at this old rickety farmhouse where there was snow everywhere. My uh, my mother's partner at the time bought a heap of illegal fireworks. So we had fireworks <laughs> going off and some of them like knocked over and then shot into the house. Uh, and then also one of my good friends, Kerry, uh, her and her brother Ian came to my party and they brought this new Finnish exchange student that just, um, that just came to our school named Alina. Mm-hmm. And like... Yeah, she was she was stunning, uh, and yeah, me being a young teenage idiot at the time, I had a girlfriend, Jess Jones. She was a great, beautiful girl as well. But I, uh, you know, boys being boys, where everyone's like, "Alina, she's mine," and I'm like, "No, she's not." And they're like, "You got a girlfriend?" And I'm like, "Hold my beer." Literally, I had a beer. And, you know, hold the beer. <laughs> went broke up with my girlfriend and uh, made it my quest to oh, yeah. to get Alina. Got Alina. Took her to our formal later that year. Just I was not good in some ways. In in. In these relationships in high school, thinking about it, like I did some bad things. So sorry, Jess. And uh, you ended up there yeah, dating Alina for a while. And that was like the the start of those pre, like those teen early adulthood triumphs. And just it just encompassed the, the crazy anarchy and, and just insanity of Anchorman. <laughs> so I know it's a very unrelated but related yeah. uh, experience with this movie, but it was just all in this little nutshell of a few days of just crazy. Uh, young adult male
0: testosterone machismo. I feel like I should have picked like American Pie two for that story Oh, yeah. <laughs> come out, but oh, that, yeah. that's a teen drama written all over it. Oh yeah, yeah. It was it was for a great night, but like, everything's in there. Yeah, just exactly. hopefully
2: not pie.
1: Um, no, <laughs> no. no, no pie. But there was a there was a cake that was. Uh, my mum worked at a bakery at the time. <laughs> no, no, no fornicating with the cake, but it was like you know typical. Male turning 18 birthday cake where it was like the boobs and the bust and like the, the to the hips of a woman wow. made of cake shape. I thought Did your mum like make the cake? Bachelor? My mum did make the cake because she worked at the bakery. Her and Bruce made the cake. <laughs> oh, nice. And uh, my grandma who was at my party who was drinking shots all night with my friends got that blazing drunk. She then like face dove like into the female genitalia of the cake <laughs> oh, and like God. ate the cake out. So... There yeah, ain't no that's party a, that's like a, a white
2: party. What the fuck? Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. We uh we got a little bit buck wild down in Kumaway. So uh <laughs> yes. yeah, maybe maybe Anchorman was the catalyst for that weekend. That's awesome.
2: <laughs> maybe. I don't have a wild story like that. All I can just say is that Anchorman's definitely one of those movies that when you used to get drunk at a house party it was it was the one in the background. It was the yeah. the quotable classic one that you would just keep quoting with friends, so yeah, sorry, I don't have any grandma face diving into a crotch cake. Sorry.
0: <laughs> that was that was more what I expected from the from the response, Ali. So you're fine. Didn't let you <laughs> you're right though. I think I think you mentioned when we did basketball, like that that and Anchorman were the ones that you and your friends tended to watch. So yeah, I I recall similar things. Like I don't think that I went and saw it at the cinema. No. I think a lot of people didn't. I don't think it had a huge amount of steam and, and marketing behind it for for whatever reason. Will Ferrell still wasn't a huge name. Um, and Steve Carell wasn't a huge name. And Paul Rudd, like I said, he was a guy. Like, he was one of those that guys. He wasn't someone that you would know by name, I don't think, no. at this point. You might I have seen knew him, him on... by name. He <laughs> was
1: fantastic and clueless.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, un- unless you were big on something he'd been in. Like, or you know, he, he, he. Yeah, he popped up on Friends and he was in, like, wet, hot American summer. But they're probably, you know. It, 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 like I said, wasn't a household name to the point that he is now being Ant Man and everything. And a vampire. Um, <clears throat> it's yeah. funny the
1: household names with the ancillary, just little cameos. Like they were the big oh, ones. Yeah. Like when you mentioned the the news, the news scene, sort of fight in the in the shady part of town. That's where all the big names. You're
0: like whoa, 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 that guy, yeah, this guy, yeah. and like
1: yeah, phenol. Anyway,
0: it's we'll crazy. We'll get to that scene later. <laughs> I'm sure, but yeah. Brendan, I want to ask because you went to it with your twelve friends or whatever um first of all, congratulations on having lots of friends, but in high school, but secondly uh was was it something <laughs> where you proceeded to like quote the movie together and have all these in jokes because you all had that experience at the same time?
1: Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, and that was like that's just a constant thread through. All of my schooling and early adult years, like, uh, yeah, had a had a had a pretty good close knit group of friends that, that expanded and shrunk here and there depending on you know what was happening, mm. but yeah, we'd we'd make a make a habit of going to the movies. Like, um, yeah, Kuma, there's not a huge amount of things to do outside of eating cake and shooting fireworks. Clearly, so uh, <laughs> we'd go to the go to the cinemas when we could, and um, yeah, you know, other other ones we've had here like Dumb and Dumber. Mm-hmm. Uh, all, all the all the various uh, films we've referenced and spoken of on this podcast, funnily enough, saw most of them at the cinema. So, yeah, and and it's as as you're a, a teenage male, you know what what better way to get through life than throwing throwing dumb one liners from comedies that you think are funny as hell? You know, like Boy. it's it's what you do. I did too. Like 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 people people went especially when you're that age you flog these lines to death like you weave them in however you can so it yeah. was just in every conversation you you wouldn't have to wait too long to get an Anchorman <laughs> line or a line from another film but anchor man was certainly high on the the quotation rotation that's for sure i definitely
2: mm. think um our generation has to be a big like quotable generation on like finding people with similar interests and stuff like i mean we are probably yeah. also known for quoting simpsons a lot like just a lot of like the pop culture that you know was we grew up with if we find similarities by being able to quote something and have someone react and a yeah. lot of bonds are just <laughs> you know created just that way Most
0: absolutely definitely. so this is an interesting movie in a lot of ways one of them is that it struggled to get made for so long will ferrell was this huge guy on saturday night live and you know, his his attempt at crossing over, I guess it was an attempt, but Night at the Roxbury was probably a cult, like, mm. favorite with some people. Like, I remember me and my friends really digging it, but it wasn't going to be a critical success. It definitely wasn't going to be a box office success, and it didn't, like, propel him into fame. There was, like, that and Superstar that were his two uh, big, I guess, bigger budget, like, Hollywood movies while he was still on SNL and this movie he was writing with Adam McKay who who was a writer at Saturday Night Live and they spent so long trying to get it made that it like he described it as the Cinderella story of the movie that no one wanted <laughs> it went in so many different like like it started off as a um as a a parody of the alive movie where there's like a plane crash and people have to like eat each other, and it was going to be that with the, a news team, mm-hmm. and Veronica being like the the logical one, and no one really wanting to listen to her thoughts on how they can survive. And it turned into essentially a rom com by the end of it. You know, it's I don't really think of this as a romantic comedy, but it really is. Like the 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 storyline really revolves around uh, Veronica and Ron, like courtship and then falling for each other and then hating each other and then getting back together at the end of the movie uh so it was filmed for 26 million dollars which sounds like nothing to me like Mm. when you look at the people who are in this and the cameos even that are in this they clearly were just fans of will ferrell being like the comedians comedian or whatever he was at the time and it made 90 million which again it's not that much money for a movie that we talk about uh, as one of the hugest movies of that decade so I think it really is something that got its wind on DVD we all mentioned like watching it at parties and that kind of thing and I think that's one of the reasons that I didn't see it at the movies was because it just didn't have that steam and I think as we'll get to a bit later even the critics took a while to come around to it But uh, yeah, it's always interesting when you look back and whether it's office space in the 90s or or this in the 2000s, there always seems to be like a movie that sums up a decade that didn't quite hit until it was repeated viewing became really easy on DVD. I think because it's so quotable, that's one of the reasons that this one managed to take off so well.
1: Yeah, and it's even to today, like obviously DVDs and things like that are thing of the past and even blu-ray and stuff like that nowadays but like you you can't go more than a few months when you're scrolling on free to air for the few people that still watch normal television to see Mm. this thing on channel 7 or channel 9 like it is in that regular free to air rotation it is on all the time over here
2: fun fact i had to find i had to rent it off like Apple TV because no one was streaming it I was just like wow yeah I was shocked I'm like how is no (laughs) one streaming the most like popular movie like popular comedy so
0: that's crazy okay so the Rotten Tomatoes score I mentioned the critics took a while to come around on this one but do you guys have any guesses where that's sitting Mm. I'll let you go first Miss Hart
2: Mm, I'm thinking like 86
0: I'm gonna go like 60 67%. (laughs) Oh. Sixty-seven <laughs> percent. That's yeah. that's low, yeah. For for a film that's you know ranked, it's like Empire's ranked it number one hundred and thirteen in their five hundred greatest films ever. Um, they also made Ron Burgundy twenty-six in their greatest movie characters poll. Like, it's just a, a film that is you know amongst those ones that you look back at, and it's 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 just rated so highly. But at the time it was kind of disregarded
2: yeah i don't even i don't recall like even its cinematic release i don't recall ever seeing it like while going to see other movies i don't remember advertisements Mm. for it so it obviously didn't have much of an impact until way after like obviously someone i knew watched it and then bought the dvd (laughs) and played it at a party and then that's how i got my first viewership of it so it wasn't by choice (laughs)
1: People just sleeping on this gem. Wow. Yeah.
0: I've got a quote here from Detroit Free Press who gave it two out of four stars. And they said it was little more than an extended Saturday Night Live skit with better wigs, real locations, and a script that sputters as soon as its one joke premise is exhausted. So that's kind, kind of, of fair, the though. angle. <laughs> I mean, that's the angle that the the critics or the, the, the naysayers were coming at it, I guess, like as... You know, if I guess if you don't think the joke is funny, you're probably not going to enjoy the movie. Yeah. Um, we'll get to like what holds up well and and not so well later, but I think it's like the reason that it's so good is, or if you do like it, the reason it's so good is just Will Ferrell. Like, <laughs> if you if you appreciate his style of comedy and the writing that he brings and the improv that he brings, then it's it's just funny. And if you don't, then it's Probably not gonna work.
2: It's actually funny. I hate Will farrell like comedies. I hate all the. I hate Talladega Nights. <laughs> I hate Step Brothers. I hate all that stuff. Wow. This one actually. I won't invite you on those ones. They're probably probably <laughs> well, the best. I A good contrasting. Good uh, <laughs> but this is the one movie where I actually enjoy it, and I actually think it's because the supporting cast like. Like, when I think about this movie, I don't just think about Ron Burgundy. I think about Hmm. Brick. I think about Champ. Like, I think about all the other characters that kind of came into it as well. Because I just think the way that the comedy bounces off each other and how all of them were not afraid to just go with it. I think it really, really worked.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. And like like seeing Brendan laugh, even as you just mentioned the names of the characters, I think is a good like indication (laughs) of that too.
1: Yeah, they they like as as Ali said, they they certainly are the, it's the sum of all parts with this this movie. Like, yeah, Will mm. Farrell, Ron Burgundy is is the flag bearer, but I think without the ancillary cast, this movie would really struggle. Ooh. And um, yeah, it was lightning in a bottle. Like, I don't know if we're going to talk about the sequel, but the sequel is Ugh. a very 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 poor cousin compared to the first, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I was going to say that that review that I read out before kind of sums up how I feel about the sequel because for whatever reason the magic just wasn't there i think that the um they they kind of tried to go back to the well do the same jokes and it it wasn't like fresh and it wasn't new and it wasn't like it just didn't feel like it was on the the edge like the first movie was Mm. it felt like they were trying to tap into something that was gone and maybe being 9 years later is part of the reason for that similar to i guess dumb and dumber being dumb, 20 oh my God. plus years later <laughs> and that Some, some other examples That's but you know what to talk about that sequel you know what's funny though the sequel is 74% on Rotten Tomatoes which is slightly higher than the original but i think we can agree that the quality difference between those two movies is oh, way it
1: sucks yeah
0: blind wrong miles apart nursing a shark all this kind of stuff it's like
1: what is going on here what is this movie
0: yeah and i you know i think that I remember when that happened at the time and thinking like this is clearly the critics feel like they missed the boat with the first one. They got it wrong and they regretted like not getting the joke maybe and now Mm -hmm. they're trying to make up for it by giving it a bit more praise and being a bit easier on it maybe. and the result is that you know if you only looked at rotten tomato scores you'd think that the sequel was better but it's clearly not maybe there
2: was something with the critics where on their first viewership of you know first anchorman they kind of maybe didn't get the comedy mm. so like it's like possible. by like <laughs> by not understanding what he was doing with it and like we all said, we had to watch it a few times and then it really clicked. So you only get to give your critics' opinion once, do, don't do you? So.
1: Especially that, what did you say, Detroit Press with your weird four-star metric system. What is this yeah. nonsense? <laughs> give me some consistency with with scoring film and games and things. Come on.
2: I give it two oranges I, out of five bananas. Yeah,
0: Are you're they, like, what? <laughs> isn't that what Roger Ebert does? Is it like... Or they just do the thumbs up, thumbs down? I thought it was down? thumbs up, remember. thumbs down, but I could be wrong. Uh, I, I feel like they... They have a four star system as well. I don't
1: understand these things. I'm lost.
0: (laughs) All right, well, let's go on to the number one song when the movie released. In the US, it was July 2004, and it was Burned by Usher. Does anyone recall that ditty? Diddy. Yes. I do.
1: And and it's weird because you usually ask us to have a guess. And I uh, was going to say Usher because uh, I knew two here. songs came out around that time.
0: <laughs> I was like, there's no way they're going to guess this. So I'll just give it to them. But he was thinking you would be wrong, my done friend. It. I had
1: he... Usher here, Yeah, or because Yeah was also out around that okay. time. He had those two bangers that All you All right.
0: Used. Well, I'll let you guess the aria number one in October oh. of 2004.
1: You've thrown me now. The
0: Australian oh. charts for our American listeners.
2: I'm never great at God.
1: This, so. Australian charts a couple of months. We're well, usually a few months later than America.
0: It's an Australian before. artist.
2: It has to be Flaria, right?
1: Gautier yeah, was a couple of years later.
0: Okay, it was Delta Goodrum. Oh
1: damn! Oh, what, oh, what song was it, Brendan? Was it Born to Fly? <laughs>
0: it's, it was. It's Born to Try, isn't it? <laughs> oh, I don't.
1: I'm not. I'm not.
0: Born it's on one, Delta
2: thing, one thing for him giving it a guess, and then you actually knowing the right. answer.
0: Yeah, well, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big hit. But no, the, the song was out of the blue, which I don't even recall. Yeah, me but, either. Yeah. Good on your Delta. She's still going. and Is she? She's like not even 40 years old yet. So she was. She's getting to that part of her career now where she's just released a Christmas yes, special album. Yeah. See, so it's like, <laughs> oh boy. But that was like, she was 17, I think, when that album came out, that one way back then. So she's. Delta Delta, Goodrum fact, back in Cooma, we're going
1: full circle mm. and connecting these threads. When I worked at Woolly South in the liquor section, I served her and uh, she wanted a wine recommendation. I was 17 working in the liquor section somehow. And you're like... She's like, what wine do you recommend? And I'm like, uh, yeah, sure. And I took her down the aisle and, and picked, I don't know, some piece of crap for like 30 bucks. Yeah, I'm and, just uh, imagining yeah.
2: bearded, Brendan, like how you look right now being asked a wine <laughs> recommendation. I'm like, Why? <laughs>
1: No, I was I was clean skin with my wooden beaded necklace mm. and, and swooshy that long photo. hair then.
0: Yeah, we've seen that photo, yeah. but yeah, I'm oh. just imagining you saying, "We have a great selection of cab savs or
2: cab Sav. <laughs> I sure might is. have said
0: something similar.
1: Pinot. I think I picked a, pin- a Pinot Grigio is what I picked in the end. You should have given her a gossip or bucks. something
0: and been like, "This is I've had Passion this. Before. This is pretty good." <laughs>
1: Yeah, I said something similar. I'm like, this is pretty good. I had this a while ago, like being 17 and never really drunk in anything wine-related outside of Goon. But anyway, yeah, there's a, uh, there's a couple of breadcrumbs connecting
0: stories. We have a fine selection of cask wine. <laughs> the Fruity elixir is one of my uh, personal favorites. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> what have you done for me lately? So, did you guys see the Eurovision Song Contest Will Ferrell I like that movie Mm -hmm. sorry that's
2: another one that I like of his yeah
0: that was like a return to form in my opinion because Will Ferrell's had a more forgettable decade lately like apart from the other guys and I don't know where you sit on like Daddy's Home and walk hard not walk hard Get Hard with Kevin Hart I don't even bother watching them because they just look like they're kind of a a drop in quality from what he did
1: Get Hard was pretty crappy Daddy's Home I didn't mind and the sequel actually Mm. I didn't mind both of those okay Um, but yeah, Get Hard. Sucked.
0: They seemed more like family comedies, so I was just like, eh. But maybe I'm maybe I've misjudged Daddy's I'm home and <laughs> the other guys. Watch the other yeah, guys. If you I, I have I really seen like that. That was guys. good. Uh, but yeah, I liked Eurovision. I thought it was, especially for it being a Netflix movie. I thought it was pretty good.
2: Yeah, and I'm. I, do you follow the Eurovision? Like, do you I watch do it? I do not. Or? <laughs> I
0: mean, well, I, I have, that was, I have cool. seen it. I have seen like, it. Yeah.
2: That actually that has me interested because I'm my family are very big into the Eurovision Song Contest. So, seeing this, I was like very interested and he does a lot of like service to the actual contest and it turns out he's mm. actually a big fan anyway. Okay. Um but it's good to hear an opinion of someone that doesn't actually <laughs> follow it, so.
0: I uh, follow it like kind of from like the memes perspective where every year there's just like a day or oh. two where there's just like all these crazy clips and photos and I just like wow those guys are on something uh yep. and i feel like he really tapped into that but I, I do know that they like included some past contestants and winners they in did. some of those sequences which is kind of cool but it, it just felt like him being back to his kind of wacky kind of out of this world characters that i enjoyed in the the 2000s as opposed to playing a dad or something yeah i don't know big
2: child he always plays just a big child yeah
0: pretty much but I will, I will say also um, that he's been doing a lot of other behind-the-scenes work. So, he's looking at his IMDb, he's a producer on nine current projects that are in pre-production, yet to come out. And he was the executive producer on Dead to Me, which I know Brendan is a fan of, the Netflix Big series. Big fan of that show. Big fan of that show. Yeah. With, uh, with,
1: with old uh, Miss Applegate yeah, again. With, so, with uh, our next
0: uh next cast member from Ant-Man, christine applegate that's a that's a really great series that if you've uh, had a chance to check it out there's two seasons hopefully and we get another one this year who knows really with covid but that's what she's been up to i mentioned paul rudd with ant-man apparently he's in the new ghostbusters afterlife movie that's coming out very soon if not out already in some parts of the world
1: yeah, is he the dad of um, Wolf? What's his name? The kid from Stranger Things? I think he's his dad. Okay, I haven't even Maybe seen the trailer. Someone's
0: dad. Mm. <laughs> he's at that point where he's playing dads. You know, yeah. but... but he could
1: still also play the sons. He's, he's <laughs> the eternal Paul Rudd. He does not yeah. not age a day, Mr.
0: Oh. Rudd. It's it's ridiculous. I'm very jealous. Yeah, he's a, he's a specimen, that's for sure. The other one that I want to mention is Living With Yourself, which was a Netflix series from 2019, I think. Oh, Did I you guys watch seen. that where it's like... I- the clone. He's like there's multiple of him. and
1: Yeah. I haven't. Wa- I've heard good things good. about it though. Yeah. It's it's on my watch list, but I still haven't gotten to it.
0: It's good, but for some reason and confusingly, it hasn't been cancelled. It also hasn't been renewed. So I just don't know what's happening with it because I felt like I, like I don't exactly remember how it ended, but I felt like there was going to be more, and there hasn't been. So hopefully that's just a covert thing, and we're gonna get some some more mm-hmm. of that because. Paul Rudd doing a TV show, like you just get a lot more Paul Rudd and that's cool. <laughs> Love Paul Rudd. Uh, David Keckner who plays uh, Champ. Champ. Is a, <laughs> a hilarious webby. man. <laughs> and, you know, probably best known for this movie, I'd, I'd think. But he's been doing a bit of animation, like he's like voice acting in F is for Family. He had a long run on the Goldbergs sitcom. Steve Carell, Obviously, since finishing The Office, he's done a bunch of movies, but lately, back to TV with uh, Morning Wars, or The Morning Show, which I think is what it's called in the US on Apple TV+. One of the few things worth watching on Apple, as, as, along with Ted Lasso, I think. Have you, have you guys seen it?
1: Yeah. Have indeed. Really good with Jennifer mm-hmm. Aniston. Yeah.
0: Keen yeah. for a second season if, um, you know. as I say again, COVID can get out of the way, but... Mm -hmm. Uh, space force was the other series that he's come back to a bit more tapping into that comedic vein and very silly but fun as well if you've given it a chance didn't really vibe i've watched the first like
1: early parts of it same as the one with um with old house in it with his space based show which is also woefully bad what's that one
2: what is it called? I um, I watched it as well, and it's I can't remember painful. what it's called. It's like a cruise liner that's in space.
1: Yeah, right. It's, it's yeah, not not a good, not a good. Okay, <laughs>
0: but yeah, I mean that one took me a few episodes to get into. So if you if you feel like giving it another chance, Brendan, I'm sure that uh, it'll give you some laughs. But it's not like it's not top tier or anything. Uh, what is okay? So we're, we're moving now into the very first. Time I'll ever ask what's the most two thousands moment of this movie, and it's a tough one because it's not actually set in the two thousands. So you might have to be a bit more creative with this.
1: (laughs) I I got creative and and maybe copped out a little bit and just said the cast, yeah. Like, and it's something you alluded to at the start, where this it's the who's who of the two thousands for comedy for me. I think like when
0: you throw in those cameos, definitely, yeah, yeah, yep.
1: So outside of the the main cast, and and then you've got. You've got your Jack Black, you've got Ben Stiller, uh, you've got Seth Rogen as, a camera as, guy. as Scotty, the camera guy, where he gets like one scene, he's like smiling through the camera, and that's sort of it.
0: Are you guys with me uh, that I I didn't remember him being in this at all until so I just rewatched it? I was like, oh, it's Seth Rogen.
2: Neither.
1: Yeah, you know, like Tim Robbins, Luke Wilson. <laughs> yeah. The, the cast is phenomenal. So, yeah, Vince Vaughn. Yeah, I was I was sort of it's a bit of a stretch I think to come up with the most two thousands mm. thing for this movie and that's sort of where I settled I'm like it it seems to stand out more than anything else um, as far as what could be more 2000 yeah. I, fe-
2: I found one little thing they make reference at the end of the montage where they're talking about where everyone ended up yeah. they said Brick ended up getting a job for the Bush presidency like yeah. the oh, campaign yes. so
0: yeah the top advisor in the mm. Bush administration I had that with like yeah. 11
1: kids was it 11 kids yeah he 11 kids having-
2: yeah <laughs>
0: I had that too, Ali, and it was the only reference to the 2000s because, of course, in 2004, Bush was still president, definitely when they were writing this, so that was a a topical reference at the time, and uh, I guess George W. is looking a lot smarter in hindsight now that we've lived through a a Trump administration, (laughs) but um, that was, yeah, that was really the only thing that you could pull as, as, you know, as the way that we would normally talk about this category, but Similar to Brendan, I went a bit more creative with it and said that the way that they uh, implemented improvisational comedy into the movie seems like a very two thousands thing. Uh, we know that like a lot of the actors and actresses in this movie are really good at improv, and I read that they did up to like twenty different versions of reactions to different lines, trying out like whatever popped into their head, and you can see that like in the outtakes where. Um, Christina Applegate and Will Ferrell are like insulting each other and trying to come up with stuff and and not laugh and that's really great and that's like something that you know a a lot of comedic actors who get their start in improv whether it's at the Groundlings or Second City in Chicago but I think this being like a Judd Apatow produced movie is something that probably added to that as well and Judd Apatow is someone that's going to come up his name a lot in the 2000s because it's kind of when he exploded and i'm guessing he's the reason that seth rogan is even in this movie <laughs> um but yeah like if you if you see like knocked up and you know funny people and and 40 year old virgin and all these kinds of movies that we'll get to eventually that that have a, a crossover of cast members from this because of judd apatow that's that that vein that runs through it is that style of improv and insulting each other and and that kind of comedy that you can just tell wasn't scripted mm.
1: yeah and the best unscripted scene of all time still i think is the, the waxing situation in the 40
0: year old virgin like yeah that was just straight off the cuff and it is phenomenal <laughs> but anyway it does make it so much better when you know that it's real and he, yeah. that's yeah. real pain <laughs> you only got one shot at this <laughs> uh, okay so most iconic scene this one, I think there's like one true answer, but we're gonna maybe go through a few different things just for fun. One, see, now I'm I'm
1: curious because I've I've written what have I got? I've got six, but I think the most iconic scene for me um, was.
0: I think the fight scene yeah. for me—that's yeah. it. That's the one. Yeah. That's the one answer. It's the fight.
2: I got six written down. The question is most iconic scene. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think there's there's some other iconic. There well, are, but me...
2: I had to battle with what I thought was the most
1: iconic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that that's my one A, and the rest are like one C and D. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not we, we can talk
0: beat. about all of them because we got plenty of time. But Ali, what what is it about the fight scene that you reckon makes it the most iconic?
2: Um, the I think it's because it like like we have mentioned, there's a lot of people that kind of get involved, and they're only there for that like kind of shot. Well, actually, mm-hmm. no, some of them appear later on uh, at the panda birthing. Um, yeah. but <laughs> yeah, for the most part, it's just like this scene. It's outlandish. It makes no sense. It's very violent. Um, so I think it's just because it takes you out of the movie and then kind of brings you back. Um, It's also been um, redone a bunch of times, like a lot of people have referenced it. I can't Mm. remember why they did it, but I remember Tina Fey and a bunch of people um, reenacting that exact scene. Um, I think it was for maybe for a channel or for comedies or whatever. So I'll have to look that up. And then also just in our local, like kind of gaming communities, um, we saw uh, like a Chief and Hunter kind of funny yeah yeah the teeth doing the exact same thing so it's obviously iconic enough that it get it can be reenacted and everyone knows what it's a reference to
0: yeah for sure that was kind of like my idea for like promoting this new season of comedy rewind in the 2000s was how can i get like all the 8-bit people's faces onto like the different (laughs) people in that scene and i was like i i could i don't have the skill to do it so i'll I'll just do something different (laughs) Uh. who would you cast as who uh, well, I was actually thinking, like, even just doing the, the Channel 4 news team would be pretty fun. Like, I think Brendan and Ali would have to be the anchors there as the Hungry Gamers. I'm and okay then, with that. I don't know. Yeah, I've been called worse. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll take Ron Jeremy. <laughs> Ron Jeremy. Ron
1: Jeremy. Oh, no, I won't take Ron Jeremy. No. <laughs> no, he's in jail for life.
0: Apparently, he's the, got like the, seven um,
1: life sentences. Oh, no. Apparently, sorry. the
0: title of this movie is a reference to a movie about him, like the legend of, of Ron Jeremy. But uh, God, he's like, it's,
1: it's infamous Ron Jeremy now. Mm. Like, he is not a. Everyone knew that he wasn't a good guy, but it's it's confirmed now mm. and, and on the legal record that he is definitely not a good guy. So yeah, uh, yeah I would definitely be Ron Burgundy, yes. not Ron Jeremy ever. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I don't, I don't from know the record.
0: who I would be. Maybe Brick. I don't know. I, <laughs> it's um, <laughs> I'd like he's to kind of he's kind of innocent. He's a bit clueless. I'm a bit clueless cool. sometimes. But yeah, it would be fun to have Salim in there. I think as uh, as, as maybe the Vince <laughs> Vaughn character <laughs> he's Wes Mantooth yeah yeah I love those guys and,
1: and just like on on that iconic scene you know when when you see Ben Stiller pop he's like "Come, yeah. yeah. you know he's what is he Arturo Mendez or something is, is his name in that and yeah. I'm, I'm a big Luke I prefer Luke Wilson to his brother Owen yeah really in a long like by a long long way so anytime I see Luke Wilson get some get some airtime I was very happy and then he's yeah he's a, he's a
0: bit of a straight man Luke Wilson so it's always funny to see him like playing a a stupid character like this one who gets his both of his arms amputated throughout the movie
2: i wasn't sure if that was a reference to something because the first time he goes like first time it happens he goes did not see that happening and then it happens again i'm like is this a reference to something like so maybe yeah
0: maybe monty python or something but
2: yeah
0: i love that scene where um where ron burgundy not jeremy says uh <laughs> like no you know first of all there's no touching of the face and hair and yeah. then still yeah. it's just like obviously of course you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah of course <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I, I think what like sort of i guess further expanded on the like making this scene iconic is i think the follow-on yes. when they're back at the mm. at the newsroom and they're like oh boy that escalated quickly and yeah then, you know just just this the the i guess where they're referencing that you know brick obviously kills a man with a trident Mm -hmm. they're actually like you know they they talk it out and they're like you should lay low for a while like you don't really see it's that kind of awareness in comedies a lot of the time they usually
0: just laugh it off with like yeah
1: you're in some big shit here brick you know (laughs) (laughs) go (laughs) on the ground for a bit because you're wanted for murder
0: yeah i think that's what they call like hanging a lampshade where they actually reference like the the in-joke which is that it's so out of place in the rest of the movie that they suddenly become this like west side story parody where it's like the different gangs of of the newsrooms
1: yeah hanging a lampshade i like that
0: yeah it's it's you know get into the uh into tv tropes.com for all those lingos but um i think uh, other than you know the fight scene there's a couple of other ones that i want to mention but brendan you've you've got six written down so let's let's see what's number two and three (laughs) well
1: like i didn't have like two three like i had the the fight scene as as the the cherry you know the crown jewel and then the other ones that i wanted to to mention Mm -hmm. just because i think they've become iconic in the way like that ties into the relevancy test later Mm -hmm. and stuff as well like so Obviously, uh, Brian Fantana when he's f- first talking about Sex Panther, I <laughs> mm-hmm. think you know, and the reference, you know, six percent of the time works all the time and all that kind of stuff. I think that's that's a pretty iconic scene. Uh, the Jack Black cam- cameo on on the uh, the San Diego Coronado Bridge. Now this think, is happening. Like, <laughs> yeah, like it's it's ridiculous. Like cops a burrito in the face, and <laughs> I skip that. <laughs> kicks a dog every off a bridge.
0: Time. It's so funny when he kicks the dog. Like it's, no. The visual of that is no. just so funny.
1: <laughs>
2: no, I skip that scene every time you it comes skip it. up. I skip it. I do not like the insinuation of kicking a dog off a bridge.
1: God, I, I, I watched a, a Thai horror movie last night called The Pool that had a pretty intense scene with a dog in it. And I thought oh, of you straight away. I'm like, there's no way <laughs> Ali's watching this. Nope. She'd stop it right then and there. Do you watch
0: the, the credits sequence where he kicks it and it's clearly the stuffed dog? so (laughs) any bug is trying to get it over the bridge yeah
2: i accidentally saw it because i was walking between rooms and i saw it and i went no and it ran
1: (laughs) clearly Uh, like i know it's
2: fake like i know it's fake i just don't like what it's implying it makes me sad
1: yeah no i I get you like it's tough to see animals in pain yeah in in movies in Mm. in, or in any type of media or in real life it sucks baxter Um, didn't suffer. He was fine. No. He went on an adventure. He, he, he found a yeah. Yeah, he found a, a friend in a cousin there, yeah. 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 Uh, obviously, the, the afternoon delight, little random mm-hmm. sing off that they have together. I forgot about uh, that. The glass case full of emotion, where he's in the the phone yeah. booth and he's he's chugging milk it in like a forty degree Celsius day, and then obviously yeah the back and forth attacks when when Ron and uh, Veronica are sort of, you know, doing the sound off on the news and they're doing their little shots, but also trying to look professional. They're, they're the other ones i mentioned just because they cracked me up and it's still perfect, perfect comedy.
0: Yeah, definitely. I, I definitely had Afternoon Delight written there and it was actually a big year for that song because they used it in Starsky and Hutch, the Vince Vaughn movie that stars, you know, some of the people from this. It was also like a year later, part of a sequence in Arrested Development. Yeah. So for some reason, like, this song from 1977 suddenly is relevant <laughs> again in early 2000s, like, mid-2000s, just from being used in a bunch of comedies. It's it's weird how this happens. I feel like every now and then a song just, like, gets plucked out and it becomes, like, Journey, like, um, Don't Stop Believing happened, like, in, like, yeah. the kind of late 2000s to early 2000s teens where it just suddenly was just everywhere again and i'm like where's it been for the past 30 years and then yeah it's just it's just one of those things Mm. i've had it in my head since watching this movie though i always think (laughs) yeah
2: i always think of arrested (laughs) development that's the first thing i think of when i hear that song so
0: where champ's just like
1: and the, like when the song ends, and they just walk away, yeah. like don't even say anything. The song ends like, "Yep, yeah, got to get back to work." Just break away in different directions. Yeah,
0: but it's a good scene because oh, it, it's actually like it injects a little bit of heart into the characters. Where they're like, what's love like? You know, they're like yeah. they break away from that like chauvinistic kind of uh, persona just for a second, and it it, uh, it it grounds them a little bit more. The the only other scene I wanted to mention was the pool party. So kind of the introduction to all the characters. You know, you've got Ugh. some of the some of the really quotable lines, and like this this category could have almost been like, "What's the most quotable scene?" Because that's almost what we're talking about. But you've got like, you know, how he's like, "Everyone, stop what you're doing and look at me," and then you've got like him hitting on Veronica, saying all those lines, like, "I'm a pretty big deal, and I want to be on you," and all, all. leather bound books, <laughs> yeah. all that stuff. It also gives you the introduction to the other. Characters where they're talking, like breaking the fourth wall, they're talking to the camera. And Brick's, you know, saying how he's got an IQ of 85, and Champ saying, I'm known for my catchphrase, whammy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And of course, uh, Brian Fantana, he's talking about the octagon. Brendan, do you, you want to roll that clip? I know
1: what you're asking yourself, and the answer is yes. I have a nickname for my penis called the octagon but i also nicknamed my testes my left one is james westfall and my right one is dr kenneth (laughs) noisewater you ladies play your cards right you just might get to meet the whole gang
0: hearing that without the visual it just sends home how great the delivery is from paul rudd
1: yeah the timing is phenomenal he's just and just just so serious about it like there's there's not an ounce of humor and like you can tell that Whatever the backstory is of why he's named them such intricate names, you know, one of them's a doctor and everything yeah. else. Like, you know, he's he's thought long and hard about it. And, yeah, ah, nice. it's a
0: beauty. Yeah, I wanted to ask Brendan if if you have to come up with a nickname for the 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 Nether reasons, what would you be thinking? oh th- this is tough because you, you sort of
1: you preloaded this yesterday but i didn't want to get too in my head about it so you i'm, go like, off I'm the not cuff. even gonna think about this and i'm just gonna go off the cuff and i don't know the little engine that sometimes could i don't know <laughs> something like that you know, like i'm 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 setting the bar at a reasonable expectation and well, it's it's and, uh, it's,
0: uh, it's good because like you know the little engine that could is the story you know it, it it did it didn't just mm-hmm. it wasn't just that it could but it did you know it got where yeah. it wanted
1: to go so uh the little engine that sometimes could that'll that will do for now um, that's fine if i come with something better while we're recording i'll i'll let you know but uh it's no
0: octagon but it, it's it'll do and i think like this is a, a good time to talk about our friends over at manscaped of course support for comedy rewind is brought to you by manscaped we have a special offer code for 8-bit listeners but first i gotta say like times have changed since the late 70s Ron Burgundy definitely couldn't be getting around today with all that body hair and still be such a hit with the ladies, you know. Surveys show most women prefer a cleaner look than that rug of a chest that Burgundy was rocking. And we know the modern man wants to keep their body hair neat and tidy. We've gone years without using the right tools for the job, but Manscaped's perfect package. You can pick it up, you can get the Lawnmower 3.0 to take care of the body hair. You got the range of moisturizers, you got the deodorants. And unlike the Sex Panther cologne, this gear is going to go way beyond just 60% of the time working every time. So whether or not you are like Brian Fantana, you've given a nickname to each part of your lower anatomy, you still have to show some respect for your body. You have to use the right gear for the job and you can only get it at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. Use the code 8bit at manscaped.com. All right, what holds up the best in Anchorman? The comedy, yeah. Oh yeah, the comedy. Is that a cop out answer?
1: That is a cop out <laughs> answer. Um...
2: <laughs> There's actually a line at the start that holds up really well right now, where What's um, that? it starts. It starts off talking like setting up the scene, and it goes an age where people believed everything they heard on the news. I'm like, oh, well, <laughs> today's the day, where well, that's actually very relevant.
1: I I think like like it's they're, they're very broad stroke responses but yeah the comedy i think the the, the time capsule that it is like it i think it, it encum- like obviously none of us were around in the 70s but it feels like this is what we'd be seeing in the 70s the the hairstyles the costumes the 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 back and forth uh you know and that some of that's that's in some some negative aspects as far as you know how women are perceived in the 70s and and what they're sort of known for or not known for back in that time period mm. uh but i think the movie just just executes what it tries to set out to be really well like the the comedy is great uh the the lines are still got that same kind of zing when you can throw them around today and still get a laugh out of somebody uh but and then also uh another thing i think that holds up the best is is the cast itself like mm. you mentioned a lot of these people that were in this movie whether they were mainline or just cameos they're still very 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 successful today and then some of them even skyrocketed further from just a you know a seth seth rogan as you know the cameraman, the cameraman. scotty the cameraman <laughs> so yeah it's, it's it's almost like a melt like it's a perfect storm this this movie as far as what's held up in in all facets mm. really for, for me like um yeah, I, I still enjoy this movie. Like, re-watching it this week, I was still giggling along and quoting lines or quoting lines before they dropped because you just, we just watched this movie so many times over the years. So, uh, yeah.
0: no, that's, it's a gem. That's good. I think you're right with that. And I, you'd have to be, like, close to the production to know exactly what it is, whether it's probably a combination of the writing, the directing, the way that the movie was edited and the delivery from the actors. But the movie's so snappy and the, like, jokes per minute ratio is so high... There's hmm. not like a huge buildup for a payoff. It's always, there's always something happening and it's so quotable that, you know, I, it, it feels like it, it It would be hard to think of something that's more quotable than Anchorman. Hmm. And, you know, we'll get to that with the, you know, the internet relevancy, but this movie is so relevant now. Like, and I, I don't know if it's because of our age group and this being like our generation's comedy in, in a sense. But yeah, I just think that, the quotes hold up so well and they've just permeated through pop culture definitely in our community yeah
2: i think that's probably what holds up the most is the quotability i like Mm. how they did the story though like um like i know that there's a lot of like tongue-in-cheek and there's like a lot of references of what's bad but at least in this story they still kind of like let her have her like redemption and her standing on her own legs and her being tough and being able to keep up with the guys as well so i think they did that really well where yeah there's some really bad lines in there about hitting women but like (laughs) like at least they give the woman like you know the same like she can keep up
0: yeah she punches Mm -hmm. um champ in the nuts or something yeah Yeah. (laughs) yeah she gets to give it back and it's i think that we'll get to that part a bit to that a bit later too but i think for the most part yeah like Veronica comes off as the only one that knows what she's doing, that deserves mm. to actually be yeah. where she is. Yeah. Through hard work and through um your more hard work than anyone else. Exactly. So what holds up the worst? Is there anything that you could find for such a great movie?
1: It's it's not really the movie per se, it's just the, the representation like of of women and also something we alluded to earlier the treatment of animals uh, you know a, a dog that uh, not only eats an entire wheel of cheese but then gets kicked off a giant bridge but also you see people getting in fist fights with bears stuff like that like you know there isn't many positive uh positive scenes with animals in this outside of you know the the early love with with baxter and ron in their matching pajamas and stuff like that outside of that it's yeah, they're, they're getting kicked into into the ocean or getting punched in the face or yeah. getting ridden on as big furry tractors. Yeah. That <laughs> That's
0: true. I remember like in early episodes of uh, this podcast, it was always like Peter that we'd mention for who would be like the most offended. But we haven't had one for a while. So maybe they might make another appearance <laughs> today. What, what did you think, Ali?
2: Well, like, kind of like how you mentioned where like, obviously it was things that was done in the movie. There's like, there's little subtle things that I kind of noticed. So like, the excessive smoking indoors, anywhere. So it's like everyone smoked, but um, like Champ really has a drinking problem. And even when he gets really emotionally attached to Ron, they don't tell him maybe you should cut down on drinking or maybe you should stop the drinking. They tell him just watch your words, like you know, n- yeah, not just, addressing just time his time out. not that he has a drinking problem. And even um, after the pool party where we see that Ron's really drunk, he drove home. Like, he drove home back from the party. So there's, like, these, like, other hidden elements. And the boss, his son, like, you hear him on the phone calls. He goes from having German scat pornography to holding up a bunch of people with a bow and arrow. And, like... (laughs) oh he's just going through a phase like you know like so his son is doing some really up shit, and he's just like blowing it off like yeah no it's okay so it's like all this little stuff that just kind of happens in the background they don't make it forward facing but it's like it's like that's really screwed up
0: yeah, yeah i think it's the 70s baby it, it definitely plays into the comedy the way that everyone reacts to those things but yeah it it probably stands out a bit more it's 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 also one of those movies where it's like there's a surreal element to it. So it mm. doesn't feel like they're going for like this could really happen. Um there's something that I had here holding up the worst, and it, it's not a huge issue, but there is like some overacting happening pretty constantly with some of the characters and the way they're delivering lines. Like it's it, it is that mo- it's not there's nothing really underst <coughs> sorry, understated about the performances. It's very like big and you can see how the critics made those comparisons to Saturday Night Live at the time where, you know, people are performing to a live audience or a th- kind of that th- more theatrical performance rather than something that's, you know, a bit more, you know, uh, Big Lebowski or like a-, a Kevin Smith movie or something where they're going for realism. But mm-hmm. having said that, it's only an issue if you're someone that doesn't like that style of comedy, which mm-hmm. I do in this case because the writing is so good yeah yeah uh but moving it to like who would be the most offended and you guys have already talked about uh, i guess the way that people are portrayed being the 70s i think like women could look at this movie and not like that they're showing such blatant sexism even though i like to me not being personally like the the subject of that sexism it doesn't offend me um, because the way that it's presented is that it's clearly wrong, you know, and yeah. that, like Veronica is obviously better than Ron, and he gets to the point where he says like, "She's better than me." Like, that's what really hurts is that he knows that she's better. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I can see <laughs> the, the scenes where they just they're like shocked that a woman could be considered for the role, and it's anchor man, not anchor lady. lady, like all that <laughs> kind of <laughs> stuff. There could be people that are like. I know that it like I know it's referencing a sexist past, but I'm still uncomfortable with seeing it.
2: Yeah, mm. like I'm able to like look at it and see if exactly for that where it, yeah. it the movie is acknowledging like it's some really nasty stuff gets said, gets done, but it's like for the sake of comedy. But they they are also acknowledging that this was wrong. It happened. It definitely happened, but it's wrong. So um, I can appreciate it for the comedy aspect as well that they added. And like we said, she had to come come up and say anywho. And yeah, and like you said, there was like that that moment, that pretty important moment where he actually acknowledges that, yeah, she's better. She is better Mm -hmm. at the jump. The the part that
0: kind of is a bit weak in this area is the fact that Veronica is attracted to Ron despite all of his shenanigans. And they don't really like go anywhere to explain why beyond like she's I think she says that like, he's cute or something or he's handsome or whatever, <laughs> and it's like <laughs> sorry. i
2: think at the end she though she says I could be with a thousand guys and i'm seventy four percent like you know i' yeah. seventy four seventy four percent sure that I'm, I'm meant to be with you or something, so yeah. she even acknowledges <laughs> that this isn't adding up, but you yeah. know
0: yeah but yeah it's just like why does she fall for him like she's falling for him before the flute performance so you can't like you can't even say that it's because of his ability with the jazz flute uh, it's it's prior to that that somehow he's charmed her with his sexism um, so that is kind of a strike against the whole like we're just showing how bad things were back then because she still is I'm not gonna she say still she's not part of the corduroy spell yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Anything from you, Brendan?
1: No, I think you guys sort of covered it off really well. Like, uh, yeah, the what holds up the worst and what's most offended. I think that goes hand in hand with what we what we covered off on there, and mm. they they acknowledge the the problems in the seventies with yeah female representation and, and as you said, like what it alluded to, where where Ron finally just opens up and yeah says that she's better than him. So it was a nice. Sort of clo- like completion of that arc where there is a little bit of um, uh, yeah, as, as like she she gets a payoff like she's she's a superstar and she gets acknowledged through the the people in the news team and then getting I guess the, the the big amount of acknowledgement she wanted and and whatever else and and seeing that she's on the same level as Ron from a from a peer like from a fellow yeah. peer I think it's nice to see but um yeah it's just. It's a good movie. And even with the bad stuff, I think they handle it well. Like the the <laughs> kicking Baxter off a bridge, it's Stop
2: bringing it it's up. rough to see.
1: But like at the same time using using such a blatantly obvious fake dog yeah. toy sort of lightens lightens the blow, I think, Definitely. immediately because it's like this plush toy that's just sprawled out like this as it as it sort of cartwheels into the water. So Yeah, they they sort of throw it in your face and then sort of, I guess, pull it back a little bit and sort of um, Mm. make a little less severe than what it needs to be.
0: There's something I'll I'll throw in here, though. It's the lack of cultural diversity. And, you know, we've got a news team that probably true to the era is 100% white people out of the five people. The producers on the show are white. All the secretaries are white. I don't know if there's any black people in the whole movie that I can think of. Uh, Even like when you have the big brawl between the different tv networks ben stiller is the only non-white and he's obviously a white actor so (laughs) like that you know it's kind of funny to see ben stiller playing a different race in that sense but at the same time if if you were someone that wants to see diversity and think that you know hispanic or latino roles should go to hispanic or latino people then you might be like well what's going on here like why couldn't you find someone for that pop for that part and give ben stiller a different role so from, yeah, I think if this was made today, they would have made more of an attempt to get a bit more diversity in there, even though they're showing an era that is probably less diverse. Uh, and maybe that's why we have so much diversity in, in newsrooms now, because it's kind of correcting an issue that's, that's been there for a long time. But did, did you, you guys Anchorman. notice that as you're watching it? <laughs> yeah,
1: like the only... Like you see Danny Trejo playing the bartender, yeah. but outside of that, it is just... Whitewashed through the whole thing, really, isn't it? Yeah. Like yeah. it's that's it, and 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 I guess as you said, it sort of puts a spotlight on on that era and that lack of diversity that's 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 changed over the years, and rightfully so. But yeah, um, maybe Anchorman Three we're going to see Scarlett Johansson play uh, play <laughs> a, a person of color or something. Who knows? We, but, we uh, did get
0: Will Smith in the second Anchorman fight, so they that's true they added a bit more diversity for that one. <laughs> uh, okay. So, does Anchorman pass the internet relevancy test via memes and GIFs? I think this is the biggest yes that we've ever had for this question. <laughs> i I, I got to say, as a quick aside, uh, cool.
1: Miss Hart's reaction to you saying GIF was phenomenal. <laughs> I know exactly why you reacted that way. So, i has just going to call you out this there. This isn't
0: your first comedy rewind, Ellie.
2: <laughs> I know, but it still stings. It still stings.
0: <laughs> Too bad. This is my show.
1: <laughs> yeah, like like as, as down you break. said, and, and this was in this was in my notes before you said it. It it's I think it's probably just about the most quoted comedy movie of all time. So uh, a big resounding yes. Put it in, write it in the sky. Get the Batman signal. Get all the things. This is it. Certainly holds up, and it is very relevant today in gifts and memes or memes as some idiots call them um so yeah it is it's everywhere this movie it's 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 not going away it is so quotable it's not funny
2: you know it's funny that we've talked about like how quotable this movie is but the one quote we've still yet to say which i remember being on freaking t-shirts was i love lamp
0: <laughs>
2: that one i remember yeah. just everyone like quoting like constantly it was on t-shirts so people had t-shirts that just had i love lamp on it and but yeah, like how many have we already said now that's just been relevant or you can actually type mm. into like the GIF function and, um, you know, get all these Anchorman references. I don't know how many times mm. you see them. I'm, I'm kind of a big deal or things escalated quickly, like in Twitter yeah. responses or, you know, all over social media.
0: It's funny because there's lines that you can find when you search for a graphics interchange format uh, <laughs> file. And... Uh, they're not even, like, big lines in the movie. Like, mm-hmm. like when, in the intro when he's you're getting that montage of him reacting to people off camera and he says, I don't believe you. Like, that's a big mm-hmm. gif, even though it's not a big moment ah. in the movie. <laughs> it's just, like, a throwaway line and it's become this, like, very frequently used thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, you're right. Like, there's, there's just so much. I feel like you could almost type any line from the movie and <laughs> you know, it would come back with something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... That's such a like it's such a credit to the to the writing and the performances, but also just to the way that at least our generation has latched onto this film and quoted it and kept all those things alive. I think.
2: Yeah, like I, I don't know how many times like you would like r- like say those lines out loud as let let alone using it as a reference or a response on like Twitter mm. or something like that. So.
0: Yeah. I have to say like we've we've moved well past this but Brick is a character that I never really liked so much as what other people did. I like it's nothing against Steve Carell, it's just like it, it, it is he's so out of like being a realistic character in this world that it's just like his lines are so dumb but Steve Carell kind of makes it work, I think. I don't oh, know yeah. if any, I don't know if anyone else could be put in that role. Mm. And not just be like annoying or weird.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> that's some some deep psychoanalysis we need to do offline because you said you'd be Brick. I know. <laughs>
1: and now <laughs> yeah. you're like, I well, don't like this well, guy. I, well, like, look,
0: I, am I going to be Champ? I'm not going to be. No, am I going to be Brian? Like, <laughs> he's,
1: maybe you could be. We- nah, Dream's got to be Wes Too. Yeah, that's, that's right. I don't know.
0: But like the thing about Brick is he's, he's sweet and innocent, and when they see uh, Ron on the street. Needing help, he's like the one that kind of turns around. He's like, "Oh, that's my friend. I'm going to go talk to him." And the others kind of pull him away. So I feel like I would be more. Oh, like Champ him. is
2: pretty devastated too.
0: <laughs> when Champ's yeah. like, "I miss you, Musk." Like this, yeah. that's such a sad and funny scene <laughs> <I> <laughs> as he guess. gets closer and closer to him, and more and more like inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
2: just like thinking now, when they do that final kiss, and Champ's like, "Yeah, stop. What are you doing?" <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man good times okay uh so how would smartphones and social media change this movie i just had like the payphone scene like you, you wouldn't get it like you can't be in a glass case of emotion if you have a smartphone <laughs> mm, you could if
1: you, you're latching on because wireless you get wi-fi in payphones these days so maybe he was out of out of data um it <laughs> knock out some like the iconic, uh, you know, the, the conch or the conch shell, where he's like, yes. yeah. news team assembly, probably just send out a mass tweet or a, a you know, a direct message to everybody or whatever to get them to come that way. Mm. Uh, obviously, news would get broken a lot quicker. Uh, they wouldn't have to have oh, to yeah. wait. And what was it like? Day 20 of the, the dumb panda watch where Brian's just so, so like, he it's doesn't it's want to be there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it it'd cut down on things like that. But outside of that, it... Uh, yeah just the the movie would still flow similarly the
2: only thing that kind of got brought to my attention thanks to my husband is there's a scene where all the girls are having like mexican food um and it shows you the restaurant on the outside before they pan in and he he actually told me he goes huh he goes that literally translates to um we spit in your food
0: yeah so they'd
2: they'd be able to like translate that and maybe see that "Mm, that might not be the best place to go (laughs)
0: That's funny.
1: Or, or with some of the people of today, they'd be like, ooh, that's foreign. That sounds fancy. Not, <laughs> ooh, like spit. translate it and go in. <laughs> you
0: know. <laughs> so good. But yeah, I mean, when you're talking about a news network, obviously it's going to change everything. But as far as the plot, it's, um, I, I think it, it works so well being set in the 70s. Could you make Anchorman today? And what would the 2021 version be? This is a tough one. Like... You could,
1: but it probably wouldn't be as good. Uh, I I can confidently say it wouldn't be as good. And like, who would you get to play these roles? Like, do you go to the constant well now of like the rock Kevin Hart and oh. friends? Like, is that is that Anchorman I don't know in 2021? Yeah, I don't know
0: that you'd have to recast it because it was set in the so far away in the past that, you know, you could like Anchorman 2, for whatever reason, they set it like two years later, instead of like mm. ten years later, so you could almost do like the '80s version or the '90s version.
1: Oh, see, I, I, yeah, I interpreted as like current day, yeah. Anchor Man, yeah. So well,
2: you could, and could you imagine like Ron, for whatever reason, leading like like CNN or Fox or like one of those big mm. major networks, and just having the shenanigans of him leading those kind of companies, and like now all the misinformation, the misquoting you know, using the wrong video footage and everything like that. They could possibly go down that angle. That I could yeah. see. But yeah, I they'd could... have to follow the same like kind of tone, maybe even bring in some of the cast.
0: Yeah, I guess it's been 40 years since uh, this was set probably, maybe 30-odd. 30, 30 so you could, <laughs> you could just have them aged up and have them as like the old news team. Like you've got obviously like Fox News and some of these networks have like the the one guy that's been there forever that everybody trusts so he could he could be more of like a, a larry king kind of persona by then and then you could have him interacting with different celebrities and that kind of thing mm. i don't know like i feel like after the second movie i don't really want anything from this team again yeah, no thanks no, no thanks it's um... as, as you said will farrell's
1: his trajectory is on the down It is not uh, on the up anymore as far as his uh, comedic classics. Mm. So don't go back to the well. Like, I fear inevitably it's going to happen, but don't go back to the well and bastardize our our beloved films any more than you have to. (laughs) I
0: I guess from the perspective that you came at it, Brendan, like, could this concept work today? I think it, it could. Like, there's a lot of newsroom politics that still take place aside from gender, like there's, you know, the, the young people coming in versus the people that have been there for a long time, the people with their fancy, you know, TikToks and, and tweeters versus the the older generation. And I've seen that like as a journalist in the early 2010s, like that, that kind of generational difference and people that, are you know, all about the clicks versus people who, uh, you know, want to protect sources and and you know write a story in a certain way and um you know be fair and balanced it's it's such a hot topic these days with fake Mm. news and all that kind of stuff that ali alluded to before so i think that you could kind of make a similar movie i i think i don't think having it as like anchor man the next generation or something would work no. I think, like, throw out the concept and throw out the characters and just come at it with the same kind of style of, like, um, humour. I think that's that's still fun if you can mm. get a good script for it like they did. It obviously took them a long time to make this movie, so they had time to, <laughs> to get it right.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we get a lot of newsroom drama, but we don't get much newsroom comedy these days. Like, there's so many TV yeah. shows and films... Yep. covering this this part of media but yeah we don't get anything more lighthearted so it'd be interesting to see if they could um, they could execute it like that so yeah.
0: for sure Um, useless trivia quickly did you guys notice that Brian's Rubik's Cube only has four si- like yes! four things on each side instead of nine
2: but only on this viewing as well <laughs> yeah me too I was just like what is that I'm like is that a Rubik's Cube <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: I was watching it with my dad and he was he like laughed and said look at the Rubik's Cube and it's um, it's funny because we had I'd also watched recently with my dad like there's a documentary on speed cubers who yeah um, it's ridiculous and there's like the five sided ones and there's like the six sided ones and like there's the different like categories almost like heavyweight and lightweight oh. and different speed records and when I saw the the you know the four squares it's like it's it's a really subtle indication that this guy's not that smart mm-hmm. <laughs> or he doesn't got much patience. Uh, but that's um, a prop that I would love to have, and I've I've got a kind of a new category here: the prop from this movie that I want to keep. So we've got the four-sided Rubik's cube, the trident that was thrown in the the famous battle. <laughs> wouldn't mind having that, and uh, Baxter's pajamas. Oh, I wouldn't mind. Uh, yes. Wouldn't mind those just to. <laughs> To put on the old doggo. Mm. <laughs> I wouldn't mind some sex
1: panther.
2: I was going to say, uh, yeah. that, but it's, with it's the pretty, box. pretty
1: lonely out here at the moment. If, <laughs> if I can get 60% strike rate, I'll, I'll take that.
2: I like the box yes. too, though. The way that you open the box and then the perfume, like all the aftershave, mm. like kind of comes out. And I'm like, that's fancy. That's fancy. Yep.
0: Yeah, that would be a cool thing to put on the shelf there, Brendan, with the rest of the toys, I think.
1: Yeah. No, I'd, I'd have that in my bedroom with my other colognes. You know, yeah. it'd, be, it'd be pride of place right there beside my bed. I wouldn't, Sex
0: I wouldn't suggest using it based on the, the descriptions of uh, burnt hair and
1: smells <laughs> <It's just> like <laughs> Bigfoot's. <laughs> <dick>. <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: man, you got everything you need with me. there. You go. Already. That's the
2: name that you can do for your private smile. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: Bigfoot's. Bigfoot. <laughs> oh my. All right, it's time for the Steve Buscemi Spark Plug Award. Steve Buscemi, a real spark plug. So, as we've alluded, Seth Rogen is in this movie for some reason. Uh, He's he's cast as eager cameraman. So he doesn't. He's known as Scotty. His name's Scotty. He's got a name. Well, in the credits, they've called him eager eager cameraman. They didn't even remember his name when they were typing them ah, out but they <laughs> remembered
2: he was smiling like you did Bridget.
0: yeah he's smiling because he's in a movie he's like i'm in a movie um he'd only done tv shows up to that point aside from like having one line in donnie darko which was like mm. five years prior i think was that 99 donnie darko anyway a few oh, years no, prior. No, was late yeah. 90s. Yeah. yeah so he wasn't a big name he- he'd done freaks and geeks A ajad apatow TV show. He'd done Undeclared, another Judd Apatow TV show, and this movie came out like the year before, forty-year-old version, which was his like big break. Yeah. Mm. So
1: he was was Judd's young protege.
0: Yeah. Big fan. Indeed. Yeah. His discovery over in Canada, but I'm not giving him this award for his camera work. (laughs) Uh, The the guys that I will mention. So you got Fred Armisen, another Saturday Night Live guy, playing Tino. He's quite funny in the, the nightclub as, the, as the, the, the club owner who would pretty much do anything for Ron. <laughs> Jack Black. I love that performance. Like, it's just so, like, that, that almost encapsulates the spark plug. Like, he just comes in. He's mm-hmm. there for two seconds. What the hell, bro? He's hilarious. He kicks a dog. Sorry, Ali, <laughs> but he kicks a dog. Yes. <laughs> he's like, now this is happening, and it's just like, it's just a whirlwind. But um, I, I want to give shout-outs to Fred Willard, who plays Ed. Yep. Um, the, the, I guess he's the editor of the, the network, or he's the lead producer.
1: I can see a bit of you in, in Ed, actually. Yeah, maybe, he's very, yeah, maybe very I'm Ed. There's apart.
0: a lot of like
2: eye-rolling and kind of...
0: <laughs> Dealing with his son. Like Hopefully, my kid's not as much trouble as, no, as I his hope son. <laughs> and then Brendan mentioned Danny Trejo as the... I think Frank, the bartender... Um, great mexican name frank i'm guessing
2: yeah classic
0: <laughs> yeah uh he's got a an, an interesting role but for me it's jack black does anyone have objections well i yeah like <laughs> oh you go you go
2: well i like i I wanted to give Fred Armisen a shout-out because, like, I first of all, I thought that was the only scene he was in. And I've got to say, the the recent version I watched was apparently some extended version that I've never okay. seen before with new scenes. There's another scene that he has together because he's so mad at Ron for, you know, saying San Diego was bad. He makes him... He serves him a plate of cat s***. <laughs> and there's this whole scene... There's this whole scene with just him and, like... The, the and the they were you can tell it's just freestyle they're just working with yeah. each other and like fred's just great so that mind goes to Fred yeah. yeah he's so good like he needs to be in more things
0: i need to look up that scene
1: mm. yeah no i'm i'm with you jack black but also a, a quick quick bit of love again to luke wilson i oh, think yeah. even though he had was a throwaway role as uh as frank vichard uh, but, yeah, losing losing both his arms just, just cracked me up. And yeah. So, but I think Jack probably wins yeah. it for me. I, I mean, I do
0: really like Vince Vaughn's character in this as yeah. well. But I think Jack yeah. Black's the one that kind of sparks things up. Yeah. Um, we did have a, a question from one of our dear listeners and past guests of the show. Uh, you might know him as Simon Blackburn, host of Take My Tone, And he asked, what is regarded as the turning point for Steve Carell from supporting to lead actor... Was Brick the trigger that brought attention to Steve as a comedy actor in a mainstream sense? What are you guys' thoughts?
2: Well, what have it been? Because if they went straight to... You said they went straight to 40-year-old Virgin straight after that, right? Yeah. So he may, he must have made that decision pretty quickly that, hey, this guy's funny.
1: it's mm, interesting because, yeah, Bruce Almighty... I had to just quickly see what his timeline was here. Bruce Almighty was the year before with a smaller role yeah yeah smaller role but great as Evan Baxter mm. um, in that and then he actually got his own spin off as Evan Baxter in what Evan Almighty mm. I think it was yeah. but I think yeah this movie really bumped him up like he had Bewitched as a small role as well but the 40 year old version was next year and then from there it was just shoop, yeah, like Little Miss Sunshine the year after oh, phenomenal movie, movie. Mm. yeah and then um, lead role lead role lead role so, yeah, yeah
0: I-, I guess it depends on what you consider the turning point as far as Simon's question because he was Picking up steam with, I think he was on The Daily Show as like a correspondent along the similar lines Um, as like Ed Helms started out that way. And I think John Oliver started out that way. And I think if if you're talking about Turning Point, I reckon maybe Bruce Almighty was the Turning Point because that was a huge film. I need to add that to my list actually. And it was probably what got him, possibly what got him the role in this movie. And then this movie obviously sprung into um, him meeting Judd Apatow and getting to to work on a 40 year old virgin. So if I'm just guessing without being part of those conversations, I'm thinking maybe it was Bruce Almighty, but this is certainly a very important part of his journey into becoming a household name. I think the office was 20 uh, 2006. 2005. 2005, okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, oh, so, so the he year just, after. Thank like, you man.
2: He just kept on like going and going and going. So mm. Maybe
0: it
1: was his uh, role as Mr. Wayland in episode Funny Girl in 1998 on Just Shoot Me. Remember that show? I do. I I, I like that show.
0: (laughs) I was going to say, like, you mentioned that extra scene, Ali. There's so many extra scenes in this movie and deleted things and extended clips where they were improvising and stuff that got cut out that they made a whole extra movie. I don't know if you've seen that. I actually watched it by accident once. I. And it's called like Good Morning San Diego or something. And it's like uh, really weird to watch it because you watch it thinking, like, oh, I remember someone saying, like, did you know there's a sequel to Anchorman? And this was in like 2008 or something. And I was like, no, there's not. And then we watched yeah. this DVD and it's so clearly disjointed and doesn't like really, the story doesn't make any sense, but they tried to kind of clip it together. So there must Ain't Amy, Amy must have Poehler been is in it and she's like, completely cut from the movie that ended up being released but she's what? got like a whole character in multiple okay. scenes that got cut out and it, it's a whole different thing like they had enough footage that they made a whole new movie so oh. if you look that up i think it was directed dvd or something
2: that's crazy yeah
0: wake up ron burgundy the lost movie
1: also known as anchorman the adventure continues
0: there you go. oh <laughs>
2: okay yeah no because like i definitely know that the one that i watched recently was not the one that i grew up with like so clearly there was all these like scenes that just got taken out obviously maybe for length or whatever but there was like a bunch there was like another prank call that they did like you know how they were doing prank calls
1: yeah yeah. there was an
2: extra scene of that and there was just a bunch (laughs) of things i'm like i know that i never saw this the first time so yeah
0: but yeah when you've seen something like 10 times you definitely notice when there's a new thing thrown in there (laughs) (laughs) yeah okay our last question before we wrap things up is "Anchorman still a good movie and i think we all agree that it is yes you got
1: right it is it is
0: fantastic where would you guys actually rank it off the top of your head amongst those 2000s movies like there's obviously so many and making the list for this podcast i was actually surprised at how many i hold up in such high regard but is it? It'd be near the top. It's, in, like, it's definitely if, yeah. like We're going without
1: looking at the list in front of me. It's it's definitely top five. Um, I think that's a safe assumption. Maybe top three. Like it's it's a very transcendent film. Like it's mm. it's still so relevant today as we've as we've mentioned. And yeah, I just it's just a good watch. It's mm. just a good easy watch. You know, ninety odd minutes of just laughs and dumb stuff. That's that's me in a nutshell. So uh, <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, I agree. It would definitely have to be up there with like the top five. Um, it's just so iconic of the time and it's so referential and especially for our generation growing up, as you said, it's kind of like locked in with our generation anyhow. So we'd have to rate it high up there and with others yeah. as well.
1: Australia, Sean Opec, what's what is your top tier or what is your top five or three? Because you alluded to having lists, so I'm guessing you've already sort of broken this down a little bit. Pull so, up the uh,
2: spreadsheet.
0: Yeah, I'm going to pull up my my spreadsheet to see what what's on there. But it's, it's tough because like, I think it's easier to say that there's tiers and this is in the top tier because um, there's so many great ones that we'll get to in, in future episodes. Ooh. And is this and, a sneak like, peek? Yeah, it's hard to, to talk about too because there's things that like sum up like the era, like Napoleon Dynamite, like another one that's like super quotable and like yeah. kind of came out of nowhere. But then like we're talking... Sorry? That, that movie for me, it's Okay like I'm not on the Napoleon
1: Dynamite. Yeah, it was always a movie magical, that was a, funny.
0: It was always a movie that some people got it and some people just didn't for whatever reason. It looks and like you didn't that, get it, fine. Brennan. Yeah, sorry Brennan, you just not smart enough. <laughs> I got it, but I just <laughs>
1: didn't think what I got was that great, all right?
0: Yeah. Um and it's funny cuz like there was movies at the time that were definitely like really high up and in hindsight they're like lesser now. Like I remember being like a really big Meet the Parents fan. And I remember being like a really big School of Rock fan. But now that oh. I'm older, it's it's movies like, you know, Shaun of the Dead. I think Wedding Crashes is up there for me. Um, Funny People, I really love that Judd Apatow movie. Uh, mean Girls. Yeah,
1: i like, with Adam Sandler, right? Yeah, Funny People. I've
0: come to appreciate like Mean Girls a lot more. And I think, you know, the stuff like Dude Wears My Car that I might've been really into at the time, probably like not in that top tier. No. Um, but yeah, forgetting Sarah Marshall, I love you, man. Uh, Shanghai Noon. I'm I'm a big um, Jackie Chan fan, so <laughs> interesting to see how that holds up because I don't think I've seen that since probably like 2005, I reckon. I um,
2: actually remember watching that a lot. Once upon a time, like on it was on one of those kind of repeat movies
1: growing up. It's good.
0: I yeah. mean, did I, they I,
1: make a sequel? There was a sequel to yeah, that yeah, too, there was. wasn't there? Shanghai Nights. Yeah. Yes, I didn't see that one. But Me either. Uh,
0: yeah. And, Goodness gracious. I mean, I, yeah, I love the Jada Patel movies, the 40-year-old Virgin and, and those ones. And there's a few few Will Ferrell, Step Brothers and, and movies like that, that that get a mention. But, man, I have a list of, uh, what's that, about 40-plus films already that I've, like, put people's names next to. I'm looking forward to getting a bunch of people in here. And there's, like, there's, the, there's kind of the thing about the 2000s is you start to get these really clear, like groups of people that love love to work together whether it's like ben stiller and owen wilson and will ferrell and jack black kind of crossing over all the time vince vaughn then you've got kind of another group of people which is like your jason siegel and paul rudd and and then those kind of guys and then you've got like some kevin smith movies thrown in there you got the the tier of like uh um wreck and and like the the road trip kind of euro trip kind of yeah that i'm happy they got some love
1: because they're up there for me road trip and euro trip are great 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 comedies yeah
0: for sure and and you've got like these off the wall kind of out of nowhere movies like napoleon dynamite and harold and kumar go to white castle that just get thrown in there and yeah it's just like such a, a a a rich decade i think for comedy and you know I, then you had the, the coming out of like seth rogan with jonah hill and and super bad and like i think that's probably going to be the next episode to talk about um th- sorry the next movie that we'll talk about is super bad and that will be a really cool chance to talk about that group of people that, that uh, worked on that together. So yeah, I'm I'm stoked that we could do Anchorman and Super Bad back to back. It's gonna be mm. it's gonna be a good year 2021 with uh with at least Comedy Rewind, if if not everything else happening across the world. <laughs>
1: oh, most definitely. Uh, yeah, Super Bad is certainly if you're tearing it, it is up there in top tier for me yeah. as well. Like uh, it's a great film.
0: Very cool. Well, if you're listening out there and you have a bit of podcasting experience and want to get in on the action, you can. Hit me up on the socials to let me know what uh, what movies you might want to get in on uh, or even what you thought of Anchorman and you know, we're, we're keen to take questions. Guys, uh, where can we find you on the socials and when's Hungry Gamers coming back? Brendan?
1: Uh, find me on them socials at Brendan8Bit. Uh, Miss Ali Hart and I are still confirming exactly when Hungry Gamers are coming back, but it's probably going to be mid slash like sort of final third of january Mm -hmm. Uh, we're looking at maybe the 18th you know this isn't this isn't completely on the record but you might have a new episode of the hungry gamers in your ear holes on january the 18th for australians or the 17th for the rest of the world Mm -hmm. yeah we'll see see how we're feeling yeah and ali
2: yeah so you can find me everywhere at miss ali Hart, and hopefully on the season premiere of the hungry gamers for the year of 2021
1: Mm hmm Season six, season premiere. It's good. Season six, we're (laughs) gonna cross over 250 episodes. That's awesome. Next couple of months, season in the movie.
0: (laughs) Very cool. You can catch me on on, uh, socials at Johnny himself, and possibly the three of us again quite soon on uh, some kind of cyberpunk review and spoiler cast, depending on whether (laughs) CD Projekt can patch this game so I can actually finish it. But more on that on another podcast. Uh, Stay tuned for that. Dear listeners, if you'd like to support the show, you can do that with a five-star rating and review in your podcast service of choice. Apple Podcasts, for example, Podchaser, anything that supports rating systems. You can also get over to patreon.com slash weare8bit. That's A-T-E-B-I-T. That's where you can chip in a few bucks a month to get behind everything the 8-bit has going on. But that's it for now. Dear listeners, thank you for joining us on Comedy Rewind. Be kind.
1: I love you, Payne.